Now let's have open hearts as we hear God's word this morning. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Eric, and uh, thank uh, all of you for being here this morning. I am Steve, one of the pastors here on staff at Friends Church, and we're glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. On the, in your program is just a lot of things on the back of it. It's kind of our Easter schedule, and so it's just two weeks from today that we are going to be uh, uh, engaged in our Easter musical, so I encourage you to plan for that, and then, of course, Palm Sunday and, and, and Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning where we'll have three services. So I encourage you to read through that. Also in this program is a lot of information, some of about tables that are out there in the lobby. And I'd love for you to stop by and check out the women's retreat or the dinner theater, student dinner theater coming up, a lot of good things. Or maybe you're interested in baptism on uh, Easter Sunday morning. That would be great too. stop out there and stop by. Just a reminder, if you're, when you're praying this week, uh, Pastor Jim isn't with us. He's down in Jamaica, and he is there right now today worshiping and working with some of our churches, our friends' churches. But on Tuesday, he's going to be receiving about 40 uh, youth and chaperones from Cornerstone CCA, the school here, uh, to, work, to, to work and stay down at our places there in Jamaica. And so um, I know he's a little nervous. He's used to taking our kids. He's not used to taking somebody else's kids. <laughs> so, so be praying for Pastor Jim this week as he's experiencing something just a little different. And be praying for CCA and all those that are going to travel, that God would, God would really just minister through, through what they do there greatly because uh, we're excited about that. Today we're continuing our series on the insanity loop. The insanity loop, and you know the definition of insanity, at least the popular definition of insanity is to keep doing the same things over and over again and expect different results. And so we're encouraging you in your Christian walk, in your, in your daily walk with Christ, what can we do differently? What, where can we ramp it up a little bit, up our game, and become more like Christ, to be more of a disciple of Christ? And that's where we're going. We started, if you might remember, Pastor Eric, uh, three weeks ago with prayer. And he told us that prayer was our communication with God. And it wasn't just a one-way communication of us asking and demanding, but it's a relationship. And we have this relationship and we, like we would communicate with anybody else that we love and value and treasure in our lives. And then the second week we talked about uh, the, the practice of poverty. Poverty, which, you know, we're not saying we all got to become poor, we all got to give away everything we have, but we're talking about voluntarily doing without abstinence for a period 
maybe during Lent or maybe, maybe a longer period or a shorter period or just a specific period where we do without for the specific purpose so that we can open our lives to be for Christ, for God to do something new, different, special in our lives. And then last week, Pastor Eric talked about the practice of pondering, pondering, of studying, meditating, taking God's word and ingesting it and making it the bread of life to us so that we could know what God says and we can ponder it, we can understand it, and most importantly, so we can apply it to our lives. That's the most important thing that we have. So I just wondered, how are you doing? How are you, how are you doing on these things? You know, the, James tells us, tells us in chapter 1, 22, to be doers of the word and not just hearers. So, so hopefully you're, you're practicing some of these. Hopefully you're, you're, you're praying a little more with a little more intention, maybe a little more frequency. Maybe you're, maybe you're giving up something so that God can speak to you. Or maybe hopefully you're studying and getting into the word more. Or what, whatever it is, I encourage you to be a doer of the word. In fact, that's really what today is all about as we really are considering the fourth P, the practice of practice. Now, that may say that's kind of silly sounding. What is the practice of practice? Well, let me tell you what I think. And, and, and admittedly, I was stuck for a P word. So, <laughs> but, but really, what is the practice of practice? And, and for me, I think back to my world for the first 30 years, the business world. And there are people all through the business world who are practicing. You might go to a surgeon or a doctor who is practicing medicine, right? You might go to an attorney who is practicing law. And you might even go to a CPA who is practicing his CPA, his or her CPA practice. What, it, what practicing in that context means, it's not meaning that we're trying to get good at it or we're trying to acquire a skill, the last thing I want is to go into major surgery with someone who's practicing, <laughs> right? In fact, I don't want to go into minor surgery with someone who's practicing. <laughs> I want them to be an expert. I want them to know everything about it. And so we're talking about practicing living out our Christian life. But in a, in a, in a, in a sense of daily working, to, to, before you can practice, there's steps you got to go through. Before you can practice as an attorney, there's education and tests and experiences required. Before you can practice as a physician, there's education and, and tests and, and, and experiences required. I know in my case, I had to go through and I had certain years of education I had to take in, in the accounting world. And then I had to go and sit for a CPA exam. And then the hardest part for me was passing the ethics exam. I got it on the eighth time. No, <laughs> just kidding. No. Then there was an ethics exam where you actually had to even have people that would vouch for your character, you know, so that was something. And then you had to have two years of experience before you could even say, I'm practicing as a CPA. There's this element of, I need to be qualified or I need to take a first step before I can practice. Think about that in our Christian walk. Has anyone ever been accused of the um, illegal or unauthorized practice of Christianity? <laughs> Unfortunately, some have in some countries. There are certain ways we practice our faith that are illegal. 
There are certain ways of practicing, of singing, of, of meeting together, of studying that are illegal and you can actually be arrested. Now, that's not, in this, that's not the case in this country, but I also wonder if maybe sometimes we have some individuals or at times we have unauthorized practice of Christianity. What I mean by that is that to practice as a physician, to practice as an attorney or CPA or many, many other professions and, 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 and skills, you first have to be qualified and that comes by taking some sort of a test. In fact, to practice means you are licensed. Practice publicly means you are licensed and you are open for business. That you, are, you have your shingle out to practice publicly. But you first must be licensed. I think before we go any further, it's critical to understand that before we really get into practicing as a Christian, there's a first step. There's a, there's a step before we start acting like Christians. In fact, Paul says in Romans 10, 12, he says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, before we get the cart in front of the horse, we need to understand that, first of all, if we start to try all these practices, if we try to study and to abstain from things, but we haven't first taken the first step, the step of getting licensed, maybe, the step of being, having the authority of a Christian, the first step is to say, Lord, I receive you as my Savior. And if you haven't done that, I suggest you start there today. Before, before we get into these practices, we have to say, but I've taken the first step. I've made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Once we do that, then, you know, just like if you call down to the Ohio Society or the, the, the Ohio Society of Accountants, the accountancy board, and you say, is Steve Steer listed on there? They'll look me up and they'll say yes. If you call the medical authorities or the, the law authorities and you say, is so-and-so an attorney or is so-and-so a, a physician? They will say yes. Paul says in Philippians that there's a book of life. In Revelation, six times, it talks about a book of life. And if we've taken this step, our names get written there. And we become a Christian. Because we believe on his name, because we've accepted him as, as Lord and Savior. It's interesting what Paul says, though, in Colossians 2, 6. He says this, so then, so then, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. After you've received, after, after your name's written, after you've, you've taken your steps, but take that first, then continue to live. Practice your faith. Practice your faith. We become practicing Christians after we've received him as Lord and Savior. And so we, if not, it becomes legalism and hypocrisy. Practice your faith. Be doers of the word. And so Paul writes this book of Ephesians. Unlike a lot of books, Ephesians is not written, apparently, to address a specific issue. Paul is not saying, hey, I've heard some things about you folks and you need to shape up or anything like that. Paul is saying, boy, I love you folks. You're a great church. I love you, saints. And I want to encourage you on how you should live out your faith. I want to encourage you on how you practice your faith. And in, in chapters 4 through 6 specifically, he talks about how we practice our faith in the, in the realm of the church. 
and the local church. And right in the middle of those chapters, four through six, of how to practice our faith in the local church, we see what Pastor Eric read to us earlier in verse 15. It starts off with this. Be very careful then how you live. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, if you've taken that first step, if your name is written in the book of life, and we know we need to then be very careful how we live. And he even says why. He says, because the days are evil. He says there's drunkenness and there's foolishness, all kind of evil. I wonder what he'd say about our day. I wonder what he'd say about our days. The days are evil. And so he gives some advice in these scriptures. He says, he says that the days are evil or foolish or drunkenness. So he says, be wise. He says, make the most of every opportunity. And he says, and understand what the Lord's will is. So he gives some very practical advice. That's a great three-point sermon for another day. <laughs> be wise, make the most of every opportunity, and be sure you understand what God's will is. But then the next thing he does is he gives us a really practical advice, an alternative way of living, an alternative way of practicing out our faith rather than the foolishness and the drunkenness of the previous verses. And he writes in verses 18 through 19, instead, instead, did you get that? Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the heart. As I read this this week, I remembered Pastor Eric's sermon last week about setting your minds on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Setting our minds because our actions follow what our mind focuses on. And so he says here, be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. We know what psalms are. Psalms are Holy Spirit-inspired passages in our Scripture, written by men such as David and, and Moses even and, and Solomon that, that deal with the tough issues of life. But yet in the end, generally come back to praise and honor a God who loves them and loves us. Hymns aren't necessarily inspired by the Holy Spirit like Scripture, but they're inspired generally by Scripture. In fact, we would go back and even read through the New Testament and, and the Bible. You can find hymns in the Scripture that were, were truths, biblical truths, great doctrinal truths that are, that are shared in hymns. And songs of the Spirit are more general in nature, nature but they're, they're spiritual songs. They have a spiritual content to them. But most of all, the important part of this is not necessarily what, but it's, it's this Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, he says, and speak from the Spirit. You know, I, I read earlier, Paul says that once we receive Christ, we are continue to live in him. Here's the good news. When we live in in Christ. And when we continue to live in him, it turns around and he lives in us. 
He lives in us. And that's his Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit of God who comes into our lives. And we, we come and we have this power that we didn't have before. We have, we have this intimacy with God that we didn't have before because the Holy Spirit, when we are practicing our faith, when we are practicing and, and doing what he wants to do and we're living in him, the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. You know, what, what's inside eventually comes out. In fact, Luke says that the mouth speaks what the heart's full of. <laughs> our talk and our actions will either betray us or affirm us. It's the Holy Spirit living in us. That's, that's what living out your faith does. Finally, he says, so then he says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ralph Martin, in his book, uh, The Early, uh, Worship in the Early Church, says this, the Christian church was born in song. I love when we sing on Sunday morning. I love when the choir joins and we have this uplifting praise. But it's, not, it's not a surprise that the Christian church should be born in song. I mean, they, their tradition, their heritage, from the Jewish people, a people of song. Notice, though, from your heart, from your heart, out of your mouth. It starts here and it comes out. What's in there? Is it the Holy Spirit or not? And finally, in verse 21, he says this about how we practice. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what does all of this mean? What does all this mean for us today? As I look at this passage in Ephesians 5, actually my mind went back to some series of sermons we did just before Christmas. It was a series called One Another. Do you remember that? <laughs> one another. When I look at this passage, I see two one another's. I see speak to one another in Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. We didn't even cover that one in November. The other one is, I just read, submit to one another. We didn't cover that one either. In fact, for your refreshment, because I couldn't remember, the ones we covered were love one another, serve one another, have equal concern for one another, have hospitality for one another, forgive one another. See, God's word, his scriptures talk to us, and especially through Paul, how we live as a, as, a, as a congregation, how we live as a community, how we live as God's people so that we can grow, so that we're not stuck, so we're not in some sort of sanity loop. And he said, we do it the way we interact with one another. And as I looked at that, and I think, okay, how do we react with another? And what do I see from Paul's scriptures? I, I, I kind of saw four, what I'm calling the four C's of practice. The four C's of practice. And the first one I see through this scripture is the C of community. Community. God calls us to live in community. All these one another's, they're not something we can do alone, right? We need each other. We live in community. There's another word that's consistent with that. It's, it's the word Fellowship. The Greek word for that in the New Testament is koinonia. Koinonia is a word used about 20 times. It's used mainly by Paul, but in other cases. And it talks about how the, the people came together in fellowship, in, in, in communing, in closeness, close relation to each other. 
we come together and we build each other up through that. You know, it's, it's well known now that I'm listening to more podcasts because I can't listen to certain radio things on the radio. And the other day, in fact, it was the day after, the, day, the morning after the Browns made this trade for some guy who catches passes. I had, to, I had to go to um, the other side of Youngstown. I had to get up early in the morning. So it's an hour and 15 minutes to where I was going, an hour and 15 minutes back. That's, that's a two and a half hours in the car. And so instead of being tempted, well, no, I was tempted. Instead of giving in to temptation, I turned on podcasts of one of my favorite people. His name's Preston Sprinkle. And he happened to have, on this case, he had to have two friends of his that also have their own podcasts that they were kind of doing it together. And they were talking about the church. So all oh, this is pretty cool. It's over an hour podcast, so filled a lot of my time. And so I'm listening to this church, and, and Preston's talking, and he, and he made this, started to make a comment. He says, I really think, I really think it's impossible, uh, uh, unlikely. He said, it, uh, it's, it's unlikely that you can be a Christian outside of the context of the church. And the individuals who were there, and they, a lot, some of what they were saying was some critiques of the church. One individual says, no, Preston, I would agree. I think it's impossible. And he says, well, my, my training has taught me never to say words like impossible and never. <laughs> but it's so hard to live our Christian lives to grow to, with outside the context of each other, with outside the context of the community of the faith. Community takes place when we meet together. You know, I've heard some great, great sermons in my life. I even, I even think I preached one one time. But, but then I was thinking about it, and I said, no, I think that was a dream. I think that was a dream. So. No, but I've heard some great sermons in my life. I've been in some great teachings. I've, 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 I've been in great services. But, some, boy, I tell you what, I, I've even had some great studies. But my greatest moments of Christian growth have come in fellowship with men in my life that have challenged me. Men in my life that have said, Steve, and have pointed out to me things in my life that maybe need to be changed, to, who, have, who have lifted me up and encouraged me and said, whoa, you really do that well. You need, to, you, need to, you need to strengthen that. And some of the greatest moments of my Christian growth have come through their encouragement, through their fellowship, and then the fellowship of others, the fellowship of men and women in great times of fellowship. Where we, have, we, just, we just have fun, right? Writer of Hebrews knew this was important and Verse 10, 25, he says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. He's saying, don't be a lone ranger Christian. Iron sharpens iron, Proverbs says. Come together. He goes on and says, or actually he says in the verse before that, verse 24, he says, and let us consider how may we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know, he doesn't just write, Paul doesn't just write all this stuff about singing and praising and, and here in Ephesians. He does the same thing in Colossians chapter 3. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, sing them together. It's, it's, a, it's a theme that comes through because it's so important that we don't be Lone Ranger Christians. We become part of the body. Now, one thing I want to say, and i got to hurry this up, but sometimes I know it's tough to get connected. It's tough. In fact, that's one of the things we hear. We hear a lot. You know, it's a lot of big church, a lot of things. It's tough to get connected. And I understand that. It is sometimes in this church, in any, any churches, especially if you're an introvert, right? A little tough to get connected. So here's, here's a challenge today. Not a challenge. Here's an opportunity. We have in your program or in your pews there what's called this, this card. We've got a connect card. It says, how may we connect with you? And on the back, if you're here, 
And you said, I've been here for a little bit, but I've never really been able to get connected. If you're here and you're saying, I just, I just never have really fit in, um, I, got, I, got an, I would like to make an offer. I'd like to invite you over to our house with some others who fill out this card so I can just get to know you and we can talk about where you may, you know, informally. I'd like to have a party. So if that's you this morning, if you're saying, I've been here, but I just don't, I haven't found a place to fit in, I just don't know, and boy, I like, I like to informally, I like to just have a party at the pastors, right? Party at the pastors. Okay? No, I'm, and I'm serious. This has been pre-approved with my wife, okay? Some things are important. Party at the pastors, and I'd lo- we'd love to have you over to, to, to celebrate or, and, and to just, just, have a, just to have a good time, have a great time of fellowship, but also to help you connect. Maybe find out where your, what your gifts are, just some informal time. Party. You know, the pastor's houses are just like your houses. We have kitchens. We have living rooms. We have bathrooms. They're just like yours. We have no pets anymore, so there's no allergies to worry about. So, uh, so you can, please come. Now, if you've been here for 40 years and you know us very well, um, you, you don't, don't, you're welcome, but not now, okay? You, just, <laughs> so, so you can write on there, I'd like to come. But, but um, so anyhow, party at the passage. We'd love to, we'd love to just have a, an evening, a fun couple hours of some, of some fellowship together. That would be great. So that's my offer tonight, today. So we need to move on though. The second C is the C of celebration. Philippians 4, 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Twice, he has to repeat it because sometimes we just don't get it. Rejoice in the Lord always. You know, the first, the, the first miracle we see of Jesus is at a wedding reception, a wedding party. It's, it's a great time. We see him celebrating, having dinners with the Pharisees or, the, or I mean, the, the tax collectors and, and all those with Levi. We see in the scriptures and the stories that Jesus tells the great rejoicing in heaven when one comes to the Lord. We see the the story of the prodigal son. What happens when the prodigal son returns home? Oh my, he's home. No, he's home. Let's celebrate. And the church, we are, I I loved it this morning when we're singing that death has no grip on me. Isn't that something to celebrate? Amen. 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 Yeah, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. A lost son, a lost sheep. John Ortberg says this in The Life You Always Wanted. There is a being in the universe who wants you to live in sorrow, but it is not God. (laughs) Amen? Yes. And there's a being in the universe who wants you to live in sorrow, but it is not God. We started off the series by saying everything here is is leading us to John 10.10. I have come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Abundant life God wants us to have. Joyful life, a celebrating life. Some people say they have joy in their heart. They just didn't let their face know it yet. <laughs> let your face know it. Let your face know it. Finally, the fourth C, third C, excuse me, the third C is that of confession. Wow, okay. Uh, we went from partying to confessing. <laughs> Did you know that principle four of Celebrate Recovery is to confess to others? In fact, it goes this way. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone else I trust. 
James says in chapter 5, verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Now, this isn't necessarily a physical healing he's talking about, but it could be. The prophets, a lot of times, would talk about physically, physical healings to represent a spiritual healing. The eighth blessing of the daily prayer of the Jews was for healing, but not necessarily for physical healing. It was followed by prayers for forgiveness and redemption. Confess your sins one to another. In his book, Conformed to His Image, Kenneth Boa says this, this discipline sets us free from the burden of hidden sin, but it requires transparency and vulnerability in the presence of one or more people with whom we implicitly trust. When we uncover the names of our secrets, failures, and weaknesses, they lose their dominion by virtue of being exposed. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Sometimes we get that confused and backwards and it's the sin we hide in our heart. Confess. Now, as a pastor, I hear confessions from people from time to time. Uh, but I can tell you, I've known people that have gone and taken this seriously and, and said, I just need to confess to another person. I need to, I need to unload, and, and, it's, and it's done in a way of, of, of seeking healing, sometimes seeking forgiveness. In Colossians 3, 13, Paul says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against you, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We come together, and sometimes it's in confession. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up in this room and confess to everybody. <laughs> We do it judiciously. We do it with people we trust and love and, and know can keep confidences. But there's something, as Kenneth Boas says, something about releasing that once it's named. We're no longer hiding it in our hearts. We've spoken it. And now God can work in us. Finally, the fourth C of practicing together is communion. You know, we should be grateful sometimes for problems in the church. Because it's because of problems in the church in Corinth that we get to learn a little bit about how Paul views communion, how he views the Lord's table. He says in chapter 10, verse 16 of 1 Corinthians, he says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ. What we do together, one way we practice our faith, the one way Christians have been practicing their faith since the early Bible, the early church, is by celebrating what we call communion or the Lord's table. But when Paul was writing this, he was saying there's a problem. There's a lot of disunity. There's a lot of the selfishness. There's a lot of drunkenness going on. He says, you guys need to shape up. You need to examine yourselves. Don't take it unworthily. And so this morning, we want to close by this last C. One of the things that just brings us together is communion, by together partaking in a remembrance. It, in, it inspires us. It challenges us. It makes us grateful. We remember that this bread that Jesus took and broke, and that's his body. 
And we remember the juice that, that, that signifies and reminds of his blood. It's precious. And sometimes in our practice, we just take time to practice together this remembrance, to practice this love expression for what Christ has done for us. Now here at Friends Church, when we practice communion, um, we don't have a lot of rules. Um, you know, he says, Paul says, make sure you examine yourself, and we don't do the examining for you. <laughs> examine yourselves, okay? I would say that it's important that you've taken that first step, that you've given your life to Christ, that you've, you've confessed with your mouth, and you've, you've called on his name, and you've, you believe in, in, in what God has done for him, for us. You don't have to be a member of Friends Church. You can even be a visitor. This can be your first time in the room. If you have called upon Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're welcome to join us this morning. I'm going to ask the servers of our elements to come forward at this time. They're going to pass out. First, they're going to, they're going to pass out the, the bread. If you just take that, hold on to it, and then I'll come back up, and we together, in unity, will take and eat the bread and a reminder of what Christ has done for you. As they do, remember the four C's. Community, the fellowship, the time we have together. But don't forget to celebrate. And maybe even as the elements are coming to you, maybe there's something you need to confess. Now, you can whisper it to a friend or neighbor next to you, but maybe just yourself. And then let's take together communion. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Worthy 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. same passage of 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took the bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may partake.
Again, out of the passage that Paul shares with us from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25 says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Partake. Father, may this remembrance, may this day of fellowship and community and Lord, may this day of celebration and this day of maybe even confession 
be one that honors and glorifies you, but Lord, may it also strengthen us together. May, Lord, may we be better in our one another's. And may we go out this week and live, practice our faith in a way that brings honor and glory to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't forget before you go, those cards, party at the pastors, put them in the boxes with your offerings, or even if you don't have an offering, put them back there. That's great. But I want to close this last minute to this morning. I want to close with some celebration. Is that okay with you? Let's stand together and let's, uh, let Seth lead us in a little bit of celebration. Come on, let's lift our voices. I will build my life. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. Holy, there is no done and what he will do in our midst. You are not dismissed. You are sent to go in him.